Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm Ray Harkins. You are listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast on this fine day, whenever you're downloading it or listening to it. Maybe you're in the future. Maybe you're like two years removed from when I released this and you're like, you know what? I want to listen to an interview with uh, Nathan Gray from Boy Sets Fire. Boom. Here you are. And hopefully I'm still alive. <laughs> That's dark, right? <laughs> Anyways, thanks for uh, downloading the episode and, and consuming this piece of independent music culture because that's what I like to do here. I like to talk to people who have been affected by this whole DIY mentality of, uh, you know, asking, I guess, forgiveness rather than permission in doing your thing. I say that, I find I, I probably say that like maybe once or twice a week, asking forgiveness rather than permission. And it's, it's like the best statement because, you know, I mean, as long as you're not doing anything like horrific and you're just being like, oh yeah, I just want to try this thing out. And then uh, you do it and then it's successful in some way, shape or form. And people are like, hey, way to go. Way to, way to take initiative. Because I think that's what most people recognize in others. When it's like when you take initiative and do something, even if you fail miserably, it's just like, hey, A for effort. That was a, that was a good thing. Maybe you should have checked with me first. <laughs> but anyways, the guest, like I mentioned, is Nathan Gray, the vocalist of Boy Sets Fire. I had him on like six years ago. And originally, uh, the, let's see, Aussie, who is uh, the proprietor and owner of End Hits Records over in the beautiful European area, they, uh, they release a lot of records over there. It's a really, really good record label. But uh, he brought me the idea. He's like, hey, why don't you have uh, Nathan on the show again? And I was like, oh, man, I, only, I just spoke to him like a couple years ago. And then once I actually looked back at it, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's been six years. And um, yeah, I was, I was like, they, this, this seems perfect. Because there's uh, a lot of stuff going on in the uh, Nathan Gray camp as far as his own solo stuff and releasing books. And he's just very prolific. And then uh, also he, you know, Boyce's Fire keeps keeps on keeping on. And they, uh, you know, play some shows in the States, play some shows in Europe. It's really cool. And Boyce's Fire has always been a really, really impactful band to me personally. So I was like, yeah, let's talk to, let's talk to Nathan again. And the chat was... Wow, it was a lot because um, I thought he was very forthcoming in our last discussion, but uh, man, he uh, yeah he went to, went deeper on this one, which was great. And uh, so I, I would recommend you you know maybe two parting this where it's like if you haven't listened to the original Nathan Gray interview that I did some six odd years ago, find it. It's pretty simple to find on the internet, and you're a smart individual, so I trust that you can do that. So yeah, maybe listen to that one first if you haven't, and then listen to this one because there are certain things I I build on narratively. So. Um, yeah. Anyways, what else is going on? You probably need band merch, right? I'm wearing a band shirt. I have, I'm not even exaggerating, probably 300 plus band shirts just because that's, you know, that's what I wear. And that's like my attire of choice as a uh, 38 year old adult. I still wear band shirts, but rockabilia.com is the place that you can buy all of your band merchandise from hoodies to long sleeves to shirts. They got it. 
and you can get 10% off by using the code PCJobberJob. Please use that because it shows the support for that company. It shows the support for this podcast and the whole network uh, at large. But Rockabilly is just the best. Great customer service, fast shipping, ships from the middle of the country, so it gets to you no matter where you are at, quick, and it's all officially licensed stuff. Like I can't stress that point enough because I have been the victim, and I'm sure you have done this, where you've, you've got a horrible bootleg shirt, you know, you bought it on Amazon or eBay or whatever. And then you come to find out that it's just like this horrific, you know, shoddy screen print. And you're like, Oh man, this stinks. Like, I I don't even want to wear this. I just spent, you know, 15 bucks in this thing and I'm never going to wear it. Don't let that happen to you. So go to Rockabilia, use the code PC Jabberjaw. Thank you very much. Rockabilia. Always appreciate your support of this show. And uh, for me personally, I started a new job. I am now at iHeartRadio, making the move from Stitcher, who is a great company, and I loved working for them, and I learned a lot. But uh, this opportunity came up to... you know, basically play in a bigger, uh, bigger sandbox, so to speak. You know, the world of podcasting is absolutely crazy and it just continues to boggle my mind how uh, much it's expanded over the time I've been interested in it and I've been working in the industry. And so it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. So got to uh, start the new job and it's, uh, you know, it's overwhelming. You get, you get a bunch of information shoved in your head and you try to figure out where you sit in the context of everything and how you can be helpful. And yeah, there's just a lot going on, but I'm excited about it. It's, uh, it's been fun so far. It's a big, big learning curve, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. And I'm just trying to find the other, you know, sort of like punk hardcore DIY people in there in the uh, organization, which, uh, you know, I'll, I'll suss them out. I'll find them and then I'll, I'll report back to you. And if I don't find anything, then, uh, you know, I'll let you know as well. <laughs> but like I said, Nathan Gray is on the show. He is such a pleasant fellow to hang out with. And, um, yeah, we went a lot of different places uh, just because, you know, I, f- I felt like, like I said, I covered most of the stuff that I needed to. But uh, there was more because, uh, yeah, he um, has been pretty, you know, open about uh, his abuse as a young person. And uh, he's talking more about that now in ways that I think, um, you know, can be helpful and beneficial for people that have gone through traumatic events like that. Um, or even if you have not gone through a traumatic event like that, it, uh, you know, just deepens your understanding of uh, people's experiences from that perspective. So anyways, that's what we got this week. And uh, yeah, just just listen to the, the end of the episode, because of course, I always mention next week's guest. So that way you can get like keyed up and excited and be like, oh, man, can't wait for that that chat. So here's Nathan. Thank you very much. And I will talk to you after the episode is over. So I'm sure this happens to you a lot too, where like time collapses in on itself because when you know you came across my radar again to you know bring bring on the show i was like oh yeah like i think it was like you know a couple years ago and then i look and i'm like oh my god we spoke in 2013 like that was a long time ago was it really dude i did uh, yeah i thought it was oh my god i know it was like 2016 or something like it can't be that far away yep. like same page same book and yeah wow we, we both were very very wrong <laughs> and, <Right. so. laughs> and so well that's I, insane good thing we're getting in touch because geez <laughs> i know some things some things have happened um yeah, without a doubt <laughs> but uh you know i the 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 interesting thing that you know i've i've tracked over your trajectory you know from our last conversation to now is just the um you know, you continually 
you know, be creative in uh, a lot, you know, many different musical outfits from obviously Boys It's Fire, I'm Heresy, all that sort of stuff. Right. But at, at the same time, like, you know, keeping Boys That's Fire, like, you know, active and, uh, you know, quote unquote relevant. And I use that term, yeah. you know, uh, I use the term lightly because it's not like you're uh, searching to be like the next big band or anything like that, you know? Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you know, clearly like... That's, cre- a, that's a struggle we lost a while back and we're not really interested. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We tried that. We, we got on that yeah. carousel. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> but like clearly creative energy in general does not run thin with you. Um, yeah. ha- so, you know, because people clearly have to exist within, you know, a, a, a quote unquote real life and, you know, work and other commitments and stuff like that. Do you, uh, you know, do you find the balance kind of difficult from that perspective to always put energy in these creative products or is it all kind of just intertwined and you don't even think about it in those terms? It is. Yeah. It's a completely different universe altogether. I have, uh, it's funny because normally the, the question is just from friends even is like, how are you doing all this right now? Like, and honestly, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I mean, like right now I just did a, a solo EP that'll be coming out this year. I wrote a album that's coming out next year and I'm recording that in July. Plus I'm writing another book now. I, I mean, you know, I won't get too cause we might talk about all this, but I mean, there's like, and the voice of fire stuff coming up. Like I just, I don't tend to stop at any point. Mm-hmm. And, and I also though, um, I, I seem to find plenty of time to do anything else. I need. Mean, I have a family, all that. And I seem to find plenty of time to spend with them. I think that what I do is once I get into what I'm doing, I invest all of that time to it. You know what I mean? I schedule things in a way that when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. Sure. You know, when I'm working on music or the book or whatever, I'm working on that zero distractions anywhere else, you know? So, uh, and I don't schedule it purposefully that way, but it just so happens that I've learned to somehow do it that way. And, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I really don't. It confuses me as much as anyone else. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I think there is that, um, compartmentalization that, people, you know, either one of two things, people are, are either naturally good at it, whether they're compartmentalizing their feelings, compartmentalizing their projects and, you know, their Mm -hmm. work life or whatever, or there is the fact that people get that trained at it after a while where they're like, okay, I I know how to do this, this better. Would you say that you trained yourself better over time or have you always been kind of that compartmentalized person in general? I, I, I think that I've done a fairly good job of defining how I do it, but but it's always been that way. I've always been very active all the time on everything. And um, I have this like, I, I feel like I'm constantly, uh, like I feel like time's about to run out. And, and if you really think about it, it is, you know, sure. uh, in the grand scheme of things, not to be too morose or dark, but yeah, I mean, we have a limited amount of time on the face of this earth. So I, I need to be packing it with things <laughs> that, that make it worthwhile being here for me. Um, and I, it's funny cause I, you know, in doing 
writing books and stuff sort of about what I'm doing and all that stuff. Uh, number one, that sort of helps, by the way, documenting my life. Um, and, and at the same time, I look at it in, in a chapter and go, there's no way I did all that and went, oh, yeah, holy shit, that was one year. Like, right. Okay, I, I guess I did that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's any easy answers for it. I don't think. Sure. It's, um, it's just how I'm built, I guess, or how I built myself. Um, you know, I think for a very long time, I would say that I actually put on a lot onto myself as a distraction. Um, and, and that's sort of what I'm learning now is turning that distraction into a, um, more of a direction, you know? Sure. Um, so, you know, finding positive ways to get this energy out and to do things with it, as opposed to just making myself busy to distract from, say, you know, um, uh, I no way, way else to put it, but mental issues. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I've always had um, struggled with certain mental and emotional issues, and this has always been my escape from those things. Uh, so, so it's 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 very purposeful, I guess. But it's a purposeful thing that is turned into a, um, you know, fake it till you make it type of thing, you know? Sure. Earbuds is literally the best thing I have ever seen to share music straight up. It is an app that you can access with your Spotify premium or Apple music account. So it syncs between those. You are then able to broadcast the music that you are playing to your friends at any time in real time. And it functions like social media. So there's chat, interactions, and you can share whatever music you are listening to. And it's completely free. You just need, like I said, an Apple Music or a Spotify premium account. And what's even cool is they, if you're broadcasting, they can archive your broadcast. So that way you can send it out to friends and be like, yo, this is what I played over this past hour or half an hour or whatever it is. And it is the best way to get in your friends' heads about the music that they are listening to. There's none of this impersonal screenshot. Hey, this is a record. You checked it out recently. And it's like, no, earbuds is the best way to go. So you need to go to any iOS app store, which is, you know, the iOS app store (laughs) and download earbuds or go to earbudsmusic.com to learn more. Never miss a beat with your friends and you can discover some amazing artists because after all, that's the best way to find out about music is via your friends. Okay. So download earbuds today and just enjoy music that much more. Okay. Thanks earbuds. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of threads I wanted to pull on there was the, um, mm-hmm. cause I do think that, you know, especially when you are attracted to, you know, the hardcore punk subculture, there are elements of you that are, you know, looking for either a replacement family an extended family, mm-hmm. some sense of community that you're not finding in other places in your life, whether it's school, church or whatever. Right. Uh, and so I think because of that, like you're talking about the opportunity to find those distractions to, you know, escape in them and, and you know, be, feel like you're being busy by putting out demos and seven inches and stuff like that and mm-hmm. feel, feel like you're conquering the world when in reality, like most people aren't, well, not most, all people aren't paying attention right. to what you're doing and that it's right. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And then, but then you actually are training yourself in many different respects to like build these skills up in ways that you would never do at that particular age. You know, when you're 16 years old, like the idea of a demo tape for, you know, 
whatever our parents' generation. And it's just like, what? Like, why would you right. do that? And 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 not only that, but like, no matter what you might think, people are listening, even if it's one or two people. And and, and the cool thing that I've found about music and the creative process, whether it's art or dance or music or whatever, is that um, there's always someone that needs what you're saying, you know? And in that, there's purpose. And what a lot of us lack is purpose, you know? I think that, you know, uh, for most of us who don't readily believe the God odd thing or religion or whatever, and that doesn't really work for us. It's up to us to find our purpose. Um, because otherwise you'll sort of fall into this nihilistic, just like, what the fuck does it matter? You know? Sure. Um, so, so it's important. And, and, and I've started to, to learn and to think on, you know, if, if we are going to create this purpose for ourselves, um, then, then we have to start looking at how it affects other people, like what we do, because just in and of itself, like us doing stuff a lot, doesn't really make a whole much, uh, it doesn't make a lot of difference. You know what I mean? Uh, but if we can start connecting what we do to those around us, that's enormous because that starts to build community. That starts to build sort of a global connection to others, which is what the world right now is severely lacking uh, and why we've run into a lot of the issues that, that we have because we're not thinking globally. We're not thinking connectedness, you know? Um, so, so even in these little things where you're running around, you know, doing hardcore bands or putting out a zine or doing something like that, um, no matter what, and especially if you're doing music, I've found that there, there are people out there that get this, you know, some hardcore demo tape. And funny enough, tapes are being done again. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, but like uh, somebody gets that and they play it in their room. And for some reason, inexplicable, you don't know them, they don't know you. But at a time that that person needed that the most, you were there. No, totally. It's very, it's yeah. And I, I was definitely being a little hyperbolic in saying that obviously it doesn't matter, but you understood that you understood the point. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I yeah, totally yeah, yeah. understood what you meant. And, and, and the thing is, is that, um, what I'm saying is that despite the fact that it on a, on a major level, it, it really doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, what I'm talking about is finding the purpose in the little things, you know what I mean? In the fact that yes, it is a small, uh, possibility that anyone gives a fuck about what you're doing. Yep. But in that small possibility, we can find purpose. It, and and, and I true. think that's super important. Yeah. No, totally. I, I agree wholeheartedly because these, <laughs> how you look at, uh, you know, movements and community being belt, built is mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like, you know, everything has to start from somewhere. And, yes. there, and there's no mm -hmm. way that, that, so many people, especially when it comes to, you know, art and all that sort of stuff it, it, that you're like fully born into it. And it's like, right. it, no, like this, is, this right. is an absolute evolution of playing mm -hmm. in terrible bands for a long period yeah. of time. And then being yeah. like maybe mediocre at your very best. 
at best. At, yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I so distinctly remember where it was like, you know, seeing, you know, seeing and playing with you guys for the first time at like, you know, showcase and, you know, you guys mm-hmm. playing like in hope. And it was just like that, that experience of what you're talking about of just like being so overly affected by the thing. It's like, yeah, the show was good. There was like, yeah. you know, maybe 150 some odd people there, but at mm-hmm. the same time, sure. you guys playing that song for that very moment made me endeared to you and your band you know, forever from that perspective. Right. And it's like, yeah, that would have never happened if, you know, I decided not to start a band or you decided not to start a band. Like it's all these things, right. it doesn't, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. such a happenstance of events, you know? Yeah. I mean, and speaking of mediocre, like, I mean, I still, I played power chords right. I, and, and, and I'll, I'll go even further with that. I tuned down to D drop D to make power chords easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? T- totally. So like, so like this simplistic sort of, you know, not really knowing what you're doing, but doing it anyway, um, makes a lot of difference Yeah. in, in, in the world. And just, even if it's in your immediate area or in what you're doing, getting, being active, moving, getting up, <laughs> you know, yep. um, is, is very important. Totally, totally. Um, kind of on that same topic, but you know, uh, diverging a little. The um, you know, I've noticed in you know many of your you know pieces and interviews and music that you've been putting out over the past couple of years, you've started to really address the trauma that you have been through, you know, as mm-hmm. a child. Um, and like you're yes. talking about a lot of the the you know mental issues that have come because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you walk me through because like. Yeah, it's so, you know, just as an as an observer and, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing you just a little bit, the idea that you would have kind of sectioned certain parts off of your life to not reveal uh, Mm -hmm. and and through no other reason than just like, oh, it just didn't feel right or whatever. But it's funny because most people would look at you as we were joking about earlier, like as an open book where it's just like, Oh dude, what else? Like, you know, Nathan shared everything. And then Mm -hmm. to have the past couple of years being like, well, I haven't shared everything. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like people are kind of endless depths of experiences. So anyway, I just, I, I just, I, I, I found it very interesting. So, Oh yeah, no, no, no. And that's, and that is very common. And uh, I usually use the reference of Robin Williams, you know, true. Good point. Who would have thought, you know, he seemed happy, fun, you know, and and it happens with a lot of people that end up killing themselves. Uh, a lot of comedians even recently, which yep. always comes to a shock to people. Um, and, and with me, um, and I address this actually in uh, my book until the darkness takes us, but I, I'm addressing it even more now in a new book that I'm writing uh, called light and love. Um, because Until the Darkness Takes Us was more of sort of a prose-based book. Like, it was like, it was almost lyrical, you know? It didn't really dig in. Uh, and this one is, and I, I, I'm trying to put forth the, sort of the, the whys and the what-fors, you know? In that people saw me as someone who put everything out on the table as sort of a, a larger than life personality, you know, whether the band was huge or not really doesn't matter. It was my personality and still is that I just have this sort of big, like I'm here a world type of type of thing, you know? Um, and, and honestly, partially in that was the overreacting to that inside me. 
And and what I'm realizing is that that it's sort of like, you know, in a different right, most bullies are cowards. You know, most bullies are insecure. Uh, they're fearful. And so they act out in order to cover up. And same thing with comedians who end up having severe depression. They act out in order to cover up. And, and fortunately, in my case, my acting out was actually somewhat positive. Sure, you know? sure. Uh, you know, it, it just, and, and like, like a comedian. And that's why I use that reference with Robin Williams, because what he gave to the world is priceless. You know, uh, the comedy that he gave, the laughter he gave to people, absolutely priceless. Meanwhile, he was tearing, he was torn up inside, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so on that same note, uh, I, I feel like in a lot of ways I was trying to save the world from, you know, in order to save myself. And, and I think I'm still doing that in a lot of ways, but I'm trying to be a lot more connected to it as opposed to it just being a reaction to what had happened to me, which to get deeper in, I was, uh, when I was a child, we went to a church in, in Pensacola, Florida and, and um, I was sexually abused uh, a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. in in that church, and um, and and I did a lot of burying in being the comedian. You know, I was a class clown. I was getting kicked out of school. I was not doing well at all. I had barely graduated, um, and and then even after that, in my life, being sort of this very like angry person, you know, at, you know, this sort of righteous anger at the government and at different things. And then, which I still carry, you know, and, and then also being sort of a, a clown at times or an artist or, a, you know, I, I put on several masks and I have for a very long time, several different masks, several different faces in order to cover up what is sometimes debilitating depression. Uh, I don't think that a lot of people actually understand what depression is. They somewhat think of it as sadness or being upset. And in actuality, it's the complete um, end of emotion. There's nothing. You're numb. Sure. You're, you're laying on a couch, barely able to move. Your whole body is overtaken. You're not sad. <laughs> you wish you were sad at that point, you know, right. You wish you could fucking feel anything at that right. point. Totally. And, and which is why a lot of times it leads to suicide because people, they fall into that abyss and they don't get out. Um, so anyway, with those things, um, trying to cover them up was a big part of what my personality looked like. And now trying to meld what that is with the reality of what's happened and what I've, I no longer want to cover up, but I want to bring to the surface and I want to sort of bring it together with all these masks, you know, for the real me, um, has been a, has been a really cool journey and it's, it's really helped me push through all of that. Uh, and, and, and even to help others, which again, that purpose to help others and to find myself and to help pull others up 
at the same time uh, has been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting hearing you. I mean, there's a lot of interesting parts there, but the the idea that you know, as you are you know becoming a person, you know, with like you said, the these coping mechanisms of you know mm-hmm. being you know the the loud person in the room and like that sort of stuff, like there, yeah. you know, as you start to kind of self audit and understand that there are parts of that that are not. Uh, a coping mechanism. There are parts that are actually you in yeah. there where you're like, Oh yeah. Like I, you right. know, I like like kind of being the cut up funny person, but like right. maybe yeah. I don't have to do that all of the time. Like, right. Then you start mm-hmm. to kind of, like you said, like, you know, calibrate mm-hmm. and kind of understand and take inventory yeah. of what mm-hmm. the parts that are actually you versus the parts that are just used to defend the thing, you know, right. defend the bad thoughts or whatever. Yeah. And what I've noticed is that the, the parts that are me and that I would like to keep are the ones that enrich my life, you know, sure. and the ones that enrich the lives of others. Whereas there's other things that were just sort of hateful and angry that I'd prefer to get rid of, you know, uh, and and use those other positive coping mechanisms more. Uh, and and you're right, like some of those things that were used as a mask in sort of a caricature way, I'm now finding, well, that is actually me. You know, it's just that I was blowing it over the top in order to like, no, this is me. You know? Yeah. Um, and 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 it, it led to a lot of confusion, I think, for me and for like friends and stuff where it's like, I'm this now. I'm this now. I'm this now. They're like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> totally. Um, I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm literally doing this to figure it out right now. You know? Yeah. So, um, so it's yeah, it's it's been a long and strange journey, but it's been it's been it's been good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and now I turn forty seven tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. That's the well. Ha- happy happy pre birthday. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm excited to tell you about Drip Drop. Now, you have probably experienced dehydration in some capacity throughout your life, whether it's like, you know, you work out gnarly and you're just feeling not that good afterwards, or like me recently, I've been going to a sauna and doing a lot of sauna work. And, you know, after you hang out in that 150 degree sauna for, you know, an hour, you can feel a little weird afterwards. So what I do is I take this little packet, this drip drop packet, it comes in a bunch of different flavors. I personally like the watermelon. You tear off the top, toss it into 16 ounces of water and boom, drink it. It tastes amazing. It works immediately. I feel like a million bucks afterwards. 
And what's even cooler about this company is that, you know, firefighters use it. The U.S. military uses it and it works fast. So try it, you know, after a run or if you are, you know, traveling, like all of these are good, good solutions for dehydration. So please go to dripdrop.com and use the code words to get 20% off any purchase. That's dripdrop.com and use the code words. I can't recommend this stuff enough. It's great. It tastes great. It works fast. Use it in any capacity to make you feel better after you've exerted yourself. Okay. Thank you, Drip Drop. The interesting thing, too, that, um, you know, I I found in regards to, you know, Boy Sets Fire and your music's trajectory is that, you know, you have such a home in Europe. Like, you know, that's clearly where you guys, you know, do well. That's where you do well musically. Mm -hmm. That's where you're able to tour and do all this stuff. And, you know, there are many aspects. And granted, each country is its own specific thing over there for obvious reasons. But there's, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of suppression that exists over there in many countries in regards to, you know, talking about yourself, talking about Mm -hmm. your feelings. And so it's really interesting to see that, you know, your story, your bands, your music has resonated in such a way. I'm not saying that it shouldn't and it doesn't make sense, but you know what I'm saying? Where it's kind of this, this juxtaposition of like, oh, well, like we can, you know, we as a culture or, you know, like subculture are able to identify with what Nathan is expressing, even though, mm-hmm. you know, English might be our second language and we mm-hmm. really understand a portion of that. So like, I don't know. Have you seen that kind of like interesting feedback from people? Yes. Uh, but I, I've found that certain emotions and certain base instincts are universal. True. Very true. And, uh, and, and it's, it's just how you're able to get it across to people. Um, and that is the important part. Uh, you can break through a lot of cultural language barriers, things of that nature by being, uh, approachable. Uh, and I think that has been the great success of what we've done, of what I've done is being, incredibly approachable almost to a fault at points. I've had to learn how to sort of pull back on that a little bit because I, 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 I tend to overwhelm myself with being too approachable and then just being needed by too many people at once, you know? Um, but, you know, for a very long time with Boy Sets Fire, there was this thing where we would stop playing I would, and it didn't matter whether it was a hundred people or like 30,000 people at a festival. I was getting off that stage and I was talking to whoever wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And, and that was a big thing in, in, in Germany, at least, um, was that people really connected to that. They were so used to being, to not being a participant in what they were watching. You know, they, they were so used to just being the audience who would watch, who would absorb and who would pay for that experience, but were never truly appreciated, I don't think. And, and I think that when you are coming from a place when you're talking about uh, the, the connection between uh, social issues and political issues and the personal and the political being combined, uh, you have to sort of live it. And I think when people see you being real, it makes a big difference. And when, and when they can see that you care about them and you're not just spouting politics and you actually sincerely care about other human beings, 
that endears them to those ideas, Mm -hmm. to the ideas that the politics that you have are not bullshit. They are bred from not a political trend, but they're bred from an actual concern for the world and other humans around you. Sure. Yeah. That it's not just Mm -hmm. this, um, it's not a slogan, right? This illustrative Mm -hmm. thing that you're like, well, I'm supposed to do this. So I'm going to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's interesting. And I do like the, uh, idea that there are, you know, clearly there are universal languages and that break all barriers and people that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't even speak English can have such an emotional reaction to, you know, music and art and stuff yeah. like that, mm-hmm. even though it's obviously not <clears throat> technically quote unquote meant for them as far as produced in their native tongue or whatever. Right. So, right. Yeah. But, but, and the thing is, is that in a lot of, especially in Western Germany, uh, there, there aren't a lot of areas where people don't at least speak English as a second language. Um, so they, they do understand for the most part, the language, um, uh, they, uh, but, but yes, it's, it's, it's still like, if I'm talking at this rate of speed, it's still a little bit difficult. Right. You know what I mean? For some people, uh, cause for Americans, we're so used to like, like, okay, whoa, slow down a little bit. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I'm right. trying to process this language that I know, but is it my first language? So you have to give me a second here, you know? Right. Um, right. And then they'll also, they'll also tell you, well, yes, uh, Nathan, you are a little fatter than last time you were here. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that, Oh, th- I'm glad you brought that up because I was talking about this with, um, with someone in another band, uh, because they're sort of new, uh, the Spanish love songs, Kyle from Spanish love songs. He was, he was talking about, you know, how off putting that was. And, and it was fun to be able to share with them as like, I know I get it. I get it. Because the first couple of times I was like, what the fuck dude (laughs) (laughs) type of thing. And now it's been put sort of in perspective to me, uh, in a, in a, a cultural way is that a friend of mine was like, look, think of it this way. They want to tell you something that they are thinking and they feel like they have to be honest with you about something or they're lying to you. And they, it's, it's this, this cultural thing where they don't want to be fake. They don't want to just come up and go, Oh, that was a great show and walk off. Yep. They want to give you the facts of exactly how they felt about it. And if that particular show was not their favorite, they're going to tell you. Right. They, they will still also tell you you are my favorite band of all time. But that show, it was shit. You know, like, totally. And, and, and that used to like bum me out. Now just give them a hug and be like, thanks, man. I appreciate your honesty. Right. You know, and, like, and I walk off, you know? Yeah. Because it just, that's what it is. It's just this thing where, and, and what I found is when you connect to that, it sort of puts them off for a second. Like mm-hmm. they're just like, "What? Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right." And they and that that in in that understanding someone on a cultural level that others don't. That's another way to connect with people. Yeah. To understand that someone isn't coming at you to insult you. It's literally a po- they they mean it as a positive thing. So you take that on as a positive thing and, and, and it really helps with making that connection with people you wouldn't normally connect to. Cause you could, you could be like, no, fuck you dude and walk off. And that's sort of the end of the situation. I mean, they may still like your band and stuff, but they're, they're, it's going to be a different level. Yeah. 
But if you take what they're saying and you actually care about what they're saying, not, not how you're assuming they mean it, but taking what they say and actually caring that they took the time to say it, that's huge for people. Totally. Yeah. And the fact that like that is, it's meant it's like you said, it's not meant to bum you out. You're like, like yeah. I, I still like you. I just wanted to let you know this feeling that I had. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Awesome. We should all be that honest. Right. You right. Know? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, a, a lot has also been made over the past, you know, couple of years since we last spoke in regards to, you know, your satanic principles and, you know, following, mm-hmm. uh, following that yeah. uh, path in your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, cl- it's, it's really interesting the way that most people view Satanism as just this, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, clearly it's not like a religion, it's a set of principles that people follow, um, but, right. And even and even in that, like, I mean, uh, probably a year ago, I separated myself from the Church of Satan. Right. Um, and it, it not in a bad way, like just sort of like, you know, yeah, not really my thing. I did it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. And I and I, I found I found that there are so many different. Yeah. For a long time, I feel like I was looking for something to attach myself to, you know, uh, in the way of, oh, that's me. You know, and then I started realizing, crap, all these things are me. You know, like, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter where I look, whether it was with Satanism or, you know, parts of Hinduism and Christianity and atheism and, you know, whatever it happened to be, it didn't really fucking matter. There's a part of me and all of that because there's a part of all of us in all of that. It's just that these different philosophies and ideas take parts of who we are and turn it into a thing, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And, and so, so it's funny because there's still things from that that I've held on to that I find to be great truths, you know, whereas I can look at other philosophies and religions and different things and say the same thing about those. And I sort of gather them in to my own understanding of who I am. Um, and so that sort of helped me push off that label so much. Right. Um, while still appreciating, you know, where it comes from. Right. Certain aspects of it. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that, yeah. yeah I think that's a really important point. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what label or philosophical idea that you're attaching yourself to, um, when you actually make it your own, that is mm-hmm. when it becomes powerful. And like you don't, yes. and like you said, you maybe don't even have to like attach yourself to that particular label. But when mm-hmm. you feel like you have made that collective decision to be like, oh yes, like this is actually what I believe. And it's filtered through right. these three lenses. It's like, that is yeah. incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it would, it would also, it'd be dishonest anymore for me to say, oh, I'm a Satanist because that's really not what I am. You know, um, at the end of the day, I, you know, just like, if I called myself a Hindu or uh, whatever, it, it, right. it just it wouldn't be honest because I have so many different philosophies and ideas and things that that have created who I am, and and so to just glom onto one of those things and say that's me. Number one, it'd be dishonest. Number two, I would fail miserably at being that. Right. You know? <laughs> um, so so, but but I but I do okay being me. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're like, yeah, this. Yeah. I, I I know how to exist in in my own skin from yes. this perspective. Yeah, I I can be this 
this eternal work in progress right here without any labels. I'm good. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, considering the band uh, exists in kind of the, um, you know, Boys That's Fire specifically exist as like a full-time, part-time band, um, which I'm sure mm-hmm. you can appreciate that description. Um, does it? Yes. Does it feel, uh, I'm guessing it feels empowering for you and the rest of the guys, as well as you doing your solo project to, you know, Mm -hmm. be able to decide on things as they come rather than like exclusively attaching yourselves to like an album cycle and the kind of, you know, the rigmarole that exists within the music industry. Um, I'm guessing that that is just like, you know, completely liberating for you. Right. It makes it fun again which is the point of music, right? You know, right. It, we get to go back to that point where it's like, do we care? No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. is, is, is this thing something we care about? Sure. That sounds like fun. Let's fucking do that and not argue about anything. You know, <laughs> sure. And, and that's the best part is like, there are times where still like, we'll start talking about a set list or something. And we'll get into a little argument. And then it's like, dude, why the fuck? are we arguing about this This is stupid we're not trying to get anywhere with this like you know what i mean no no one idea or opinion is really going to work out let's see what we can do to compromise here and just do what we can you know Um, right right yeah because the there is the the yeah the pressure of like if we make a wrong decision here like we are going to sell less records and then you know in six months we're not going to get as much royalty payments or whatever it's like right right constantly climbing that fucking ladder and i hated it you know yeah um and i think we all did and it's awesome to not have to climb it anymore we kicked the ladder away um right and we're not climbing we're not trying to get anywhere we're just playing it as we go and it's it's funny because um there's two awesome parts to this so as a band we're no longer climbing or fighting to get anywhere um as a solo artist, I sort of am. Um, but at the end of the day, as a solo artist, all decisions are made by me. I don't have to listen to fucking anybody, right. you know? So, so it's freeing in both regards, having a band that's diplomatic and has all these different, you know, we've got, you know, six, seven different fucking people in this fucking thing that all have wildly different opinions and we somehow bring it together and it's fun And then having the solo endeavor where I'm actually, you know, fighting to like, all right, look, this is me. I'm doing this all on my own and I want to get some kind of something going with this. Um, But at the same time, at the end of the day, all decisions are mine and mine alone. Totally. And I live and die by that is exhilarating. It's awesome. You know, yeah, just be like, be like. Oh wait, let me check with absolutely nobody. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Let me let me go ahead and figure out what I feel. Okay. I right. Feel. Right. Right. I, okay. This is how I feel. Let's go with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Totally. Totally. That's really that's exciting, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it's cool that you can have the duality of experiences where both mm-hmm. both feelings are now familiar, and clearly the idea of like the hustle and you know kind of the 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 grind that of building something up from scratch. But you're like, well, yeah, I, I know the feel. Like, I, I just know how to do it a little bit better than, you know, we did when we were 17 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's also helped with just being a little bit more assertive and confident in what I do, especially with the solo stuff. Uh, I was not, when I started this solo thing, I was not confident with it. Um, I wish everyone could have seen my first show. Um, 
a lot of my friends did. And now they see me now and like, whoa, this is very different. Because <laughs> it was one of those things where they were, you can almost see it in their eyes. They're like, here, okay, I'm, I'm here to support them. I'm just going to support them, you know? And, um, totally. Please don't ask was, me off stage what you thought of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't ask anybody. I was like, all right, thanks for being here. Goodbye. <laughs> yes, I, I know. Goodbye. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, you, you always are searching for those those compliments of like, well, that was really... um. Um, loud. That was really loud. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because now, like, I'll play shows and it's just very different now because I'm more confident. I know what I'm doing, and um, and and those same friends will come out and be like, "Okay, all right, this went somewhere. Good job." You know, like. I think after that first one, they were like, mm, this is okay. This is doomed to fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, kind of on a, on a more personal level, like when you are existing at home and I mean, clearly, you know, work a job, family, all of these other things, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean like w- walk me through what that kind of like looks like, you know, I mean, do you like, do you live off of the art that you put out or do you supplement it by doing these other things? And like, you know, how does your sort of like day to day existence look? I am I am fortunate to work in a industry that has a lot of work from home stuff. <laughs> so sure. I um I am an account manager for an IT firm. Okay. Um uh IT staffing. So uh, a lot of the people that we work with are H1B visas anyway from India. Um, so it doesn't matter where the fuck I am, you know, I don't need to be in an office. I mean, some companies prefer to have their people in offices, but a lot of the companies I work with, they couldn't care less. They, they have like an office in the U S an office in India. They have an office all over and it just, you know, um, they, they don't really use them. Uh, so fortunately with that skill (laughs) set. I'm able to work for companies where I can just do it from home. That's great. So, and, and which in turn, I can do it on tour, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. uh, which is amazing to, to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go on tour. I get paid on tour while I'm also getting paid for work, you know, totally. <laughs> which is awesome. Right. So, and, and that's just dumb luck right there because I, I, I will admit freely that I, to, I'm, I'm a salesman. I mean, if anyone's <laughs> ever met me, they will not deny that, you know? Sure. Um, and I, I'll just sell pretty much anything. So the um, uh, getting into the staffing world and all that stuff was pretty natural for me in helping people to find jobs and stuff like that and basically convincing companies that they need people, you know? Totally. Um, so... It was one of those dumb luck things where I jumped. I had no experience in it. I just had some friends who worked in the industry that sort of helped me BS my way in and then prove myself. Because a lot of times you don't get to do that. If you don't have the experience, you're fucked. You know? So I fully admit that I I got lucky uh, in being able to get into a job that pays well and I can do whatever the hell I want as long as I, you know, make my my mark, you know, I, I, yeah, you're doing your work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not what everybody can get, unfortunately, you know, but it, it, fortunately it worked for me. Um, so I do that and I've got, um, 
my wife and a five-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. And then uh, from a previous marriage, a 24-year-old son. Sure. But um, he's not as much to handle because he's 24. He's dealing with himself. You know? Yeah, he's, um, yeah he's, he's dealing, he's dealing with yeah. the, the feelings that uh, you're sorting out yourself still. So. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, so he's, he's doing his own thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I find it relatively easy to do everything you want if you really want it. You just kind of figure out what you want. Because um, if you're putting time into things that don't make you happy, don't push you forward, don't help, it's going to be work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I've, I've tried to, now that I've gotten lucky in my employment area, tried to use that to make sure that everything else I'm doing besides that is, is positive are things that I want to be doing and there will make time and it doesn't wear me out. Yeah. You know, um, no, that's so re- that's, that's helped a, out a lot. Yeah, no, that's a really important point. Cause I think a, a mm. lot of people, yeah, and I, I know that you've probably seen this and I've seen it many times where it's not like, the idea that, you know, oh, like you got to get a job and you got to like, you know, all these responsibilities. And then of course, like you can't be as, you know, free with touring or whatever, but it's like, if right. you, the, the saddest part, isn't that for me? It's like, that's fine. Like you can't tour forever. And like, if you do, then yeah. like, then maybe that's fine. And you can be a tech forever mm-hmm. or whatever. But the idea yeah. that people then start to, to your point, extinguish their passions because of being pulled in so many different directions. And then mm-hmm. I'm tired. I can't do this thing. And that's when kind of the sadness sets in where you're just like, well, yeah, you can't, you don't, you can't do it as much as you did from a time perspective when you were 16 years old, but you can still yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, and that's, and, and, and honestly, at that point, people should realize where they're, where they're, where they're, why they actually want to do what they want to do. Um, if you want to play music, you can literally just do that. Like you don't need an audience. Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, so where, where, where are your priorities? You know, um, maybe you should think about that a little bit. Like, Oh, I can't tour and therefore I can't play music. Why? Just play fucking music, dude. Like <laughs> Totally. It doesn't matter if that's what you're actually Now, if your love is to get out in front of an audience, that's different. Then then we have a different thing here. Um and that's fair too. I think that I think people should be honest with themselves. Is your passion music or is it to get in front of an audience? Because if it's just to get in front of an audience, maybe you could find a different way to do that without music. You know, totally. Maybe, you know, and that's that's how you find your new thing that you should be doing by being honest with yourself. You know, maybe it's not music, dude. Totally. And and, and it doesn't have to be. Maybe it is. And you'd be just as happy playing shows at the bar down the street, Mm -hmm. you know, on the weekends or doing this or doing that or just playing in your room or just writing some songs. And hell, at this point. You could just put them out on the internet and go live on Facebook or whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and do little shows like that. Build your following that way. Hell, you don't have to step out of your fucking bedroom. Nope. You know how many like, like weird little, uh, fucking black metal bands in Norway. Like yep. the, the dude's a loner and sits in his room all day and just writes stuff. And like at least hundreds of people will listen to it. Yep. You know, for sure. 
well, what are your goals? You know, uh, what are your goals and what's your real perspective on what you need out of life? Because if it's just to play music, be fucking honest, you know, totally like, like if it's just play music, go fucking play music. It doesn't matter how much you work. Go play music. Right. You know, there's no one stopping. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. No one's stopping you. No one's standing in your bedroom going, don't you play that chord? Like, (laughs) right. So to just do it. But, but if your, if your priority is to do something to get out there and to do things, you know, maybe your goal is to impress girls, which is lame by the way. But if it is, Maybe find a different way to do that. Right. You know? <laughs> totally. I don't know. Grow a personality. Right. <laughs> that, Be maybe more that authentic. would help you get girls. Yeah. You yeah. know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Or, yeah, you know, so it's, it's all about being honest with yourself. Why are you really doing what you're doing? Yeah. And then start there. Now, I understand that also there are socio, socioeconomic issues and different things for different people that are going to give some people leverage over others. I get those things, yeah. you know, but, but it all begins with being honest with what you want and what you need and how to attain that and to, to find how to attain that. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, good, good advice. Um, mm-hmm. the last thing I want to hit on is because, you know, you have, I don't even, I don't even know if there's a term for this where it's like, you know, clearly you have, you know, an adult son and then you have two mm-hmm. younger kiddos. Like, you know, I was trying yeah. to think, I was like, is this like a boomerang parent? Like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to like right. describe that, <laughs> but like you, you know, you have two wildly different experiences from mm-hmm. different times in your life. And like the <laughs> parenting function is, you know, completely different on both ends of that spectrum. Um, have you, you know, I, I, I presume in many respects you feel maybe not better equipped, but you are viewing your, um, you know, your role as a father in these, these, these children, you know, your younger children's lives, um, you know, maybe a little bit differently because you experienced oh, it previously. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh my God. This is way different than when I was 20 <laughs> and having a kid. Oh, yep. you gotta be kidding me. Like, right. This is so much it. Number one, I don't want to go out anywhere. Like, you know, like, yep. and that's the thing when I'm home, I'm home. I'm not going out to the bars. I'm not going out to parties. Like, and people at my age that go out to bars and parties are sort of fucking lame. Right. You know, like, yeah, kind of weird. I, I mean, I just get, I'm sorry if I offend you, but fuck you. It's sort of lame. <laughs> right. Like, um, if you're out getting drunk and you know, it's just fucking dumb. So, um, but when you're 20, you're like, well, shit, I sort of fuck some things for myself. You know I mean? It's, it's something, and that's just being honest. I mean, I, I think right. that you balance that out with the, but, I love my kid and I did this, so I need to be here, you know, but, but there's always that thing. I mean, you're 20, you're going to have that in the back of your head going, Oh, my friends are going out to the bar. Like, you know, <laughs> right, right. Like, Oh, they're got Oh, what fun party of you? No, I'm staying home with the baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. And, uh, so, so it's very different. Whereas now, like nobody would even call me to go to a fucking party. They know better. You know, like, yep. you're like, Hey, you want to go to this? What a party? What are, what are you 16? No, I don't want to go to a fucking party. Yeah. I'm like, good. I'm good. Unless it's like, like, unless there's like food and stuff like, no, I mean, you know, it's not a kegger, right? Like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. 
That's, uh, yeah. Like no. you mean like an actual like adult party where we all just hang out and talk at normal levels and eat food or something? Yeah. Have maybe a glass of wine? Sure. Sounds, but, yeah, sounds great. Maybe break out a yeah, board yeah. game. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally cool. But like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yelling, yelling in a room with like 30 other people. Like, you know, that's, oh, that's fine. God. Oh, terrifying. I, I, it's funny because like on tour, um, there's been situations where it's like, like I, I finished the show and like, I just want to get a drink and then go to the hotel or something, you know? And like, I'll go down the street to the closest bar where unfortunately everybody from the show is and go, Oh hell no. Mm-mm. No, no. Nope. <laughs> like, I'm good. Walk in and not worth it. I am going to not have a drink tonight. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I will go ahead yep. and go back to my hotel room and go to sleep and we're fine. Yep. <laughs> but the cool thing is you can always find like some like sort of dive working class bar or something around the corner. You know what I mean? Where there's nobody there. No one gives a fuck. Totally. Like it's just quiet and you can go in or fuck. If you want to drink, go to fucking TGI Fridays or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's great. You know, you don't have to worry about that sh- bullshit. So. Yeah. No, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for hanging out again, dude. This was super fun, and I uh, appreciate you. you walking me through all this stuff because, uh, yeah, it was gr- it was great as I expected and had to be convinced of, but it was great anyway. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. There you have it. That was Nathan, of course, and I appreciate his time and effort and just being a, a general, interesting and good dude like the hangs. And so uh, and also thanks to Aussie who set this interview up. I appreciate the thought and I appreciate you listening to the show in general. Thank you. It's so nice. Next week, I have I, g- g- I was about to say I got I got I have Mike score from All Out War. He is the vocalist of the legendary metallic hardcore band. Maybe they don't like to be viewed as legendary, but uh, you know, like they've, they've been kicking around for quite some time and have, you know, taken breaks and like, I did, they're just such an interesting band because they, um, you know, they, they hit it hard for a couple of years in regards to touring and getting their name out there and stuff like that. And then now they exist in this, like, you know, they play a couple of festivals, they do what they need to do. They put out new music and it's just really cool. And they're hard as hell. <laughs> That's all at war in a nutshell. So I got to, speak to Mike, the vocalist, and it was a spectacular chat. So that's what we got next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. I'm Bob Roth, host of the new podcast, Stay Calm. Meditation changed my life in college. And I've spent the last 50 years teaching people about the benefits of meditation from celebrity clients to students in inner city schools. And now I'm sharing a lot of what I know straight to your ears in my new podcast. Join me every Monday through Friday morning. All you need is a few minutes and an open mind. Listen and subscribe to Stay Calm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.